World of Blazing brings you a podcast based on truth, spoken boldly. Join the man on fire, John Sublon, as he takes on issues of faith and culture. Always faithful, always real. This is True Faith, Real Talk, and now the man on fire, John Sublon. Welcome to another episode of True Faith, Real Talk. This is your host, the man on fire, John Sublon. I want to welcome all of you who are new to the show and those of you who are returning. We are blessed to have you with us. Now, I am excited for today's episode because I have a special guest with me as usual. But uh, this guest is newly, uh, has newly joined the church and um, has been just taking the Catholic world by storm. Most of you are probably familiar with her because she's a YouTube sensation with over 200,000 subscribers thus far. And uh, she is can be found at Lizzie's Answers. And so I want to welcome to True Faith Real Talk, Lizzie Rizé. Welcome to the show, Lizzie. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on. Well, awesome. Thank you for joining us. And um, again, the first set of orders is really to say, Welcome to the church uh, and, and welcome home. Welcome to Rome. Um, you name it. Right. We've we've we're we're uh, excited to have you as part of the family. And so part of what I wanted to talk about in today's interview is really about um, your journey into the church. Most people have read it, probably seen it. You, you've got a ton of YouTube mm-hmm. videos, so I don't want to necessarily get down and dirty into the details. But if you were to summarize your journey into the church, Um, can you give, uh, my viewers, my listeners a little bit of that background? What led you in, I mean, you were, you were from the Protestant, uh, background, um, church of Christ, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, So why don't you just give the the viewers a little bit, uh, background on your journey into Catholicism? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that got me to start researching in is that it was a trend in the philosophy department at my university, Pepperdine, of people converting in. Two of my professors were Catholic converts, and then just through the years from my freshman year, even after graduating, there were so many people becoming Catholic. And I think after the 10th or 11th person, something just clicked in me where mm. I started researching. And I I was just like, how can everyone find this to be true? <laughs> and then once I started researching, it was pretty fast, where it was just objective by Ignatius, Polycarp, Arrhenius, people who were interns of the original apostles, people in the first century. Yeah. And so it was just obvious to me that from the beginning, they believed in real presence, they had bishops, and from there, everything else follows. <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, you think about or when I think about that, I mean, I'm a revert to the church. And um, so it's a little bit of a different path. Um, But some of the similarities are is when you come into the church, um, you essentially have to make some changes in your life. Right. And so um, obviously that the faith is one aspect of it. Um, But Mm -hmm. then think about when it comes to your family and your friends. I mean, how was that for you uh, when you officially made that decision to join RCIA? Um, did everybody know at first in your circle of friends and your family? Was it something that, you know, you kept to yourself until uh, it got to the end so that nobody could stop you from this craziness? I feel like I was very secretive about it and I was very like personal and very scared to talk about it. There Mm -hmm. were a couple of my friends who I told kind of two months in when I was kind of certain I was converting, but I kept it from my parents probably nine or 10 months from when I knew I would become Catholic. I was in RCIA and I still hadn't told my parents or my YouTube subscribers. I, people kind of guessed that I was becoming Catholic, but I kind of kept 
the entire conversion journey, my RCIA experience completely to myself. So it was something that was really scary to talk about. And I think I just needed to process it with God before I felt comfortable talking about it. Yeah, obviously. I mean, that is a, it's a, it's a big decision um, that comes with yeah. uh, big consequences, right? In, yeah. in, in what happens into your, your circle of friends. So if you were to uh, talk about what, what were the, what was the biggest loss for you? Um, and what was the biggest gain? What would you say was the biggest loss? We'll start with the negative first. What was the mm-hmm. biggest loss of joining the church? Um, and then we'll get into the biggest gain. Mm. I think that the sexual ethics were really hard to give up. I was completely supportive of gay marriage as mm. a Protestant and completely against birth control. I saw it as really sexist. So to be a millennial living in California <laughs> and to believe that gay marriage is not marriage and to be against birth control it's just it's something i'm so scared to say out loud because you automatically get called a bigot homophobic sexist regardless of how loving and tolerant you are of people in your life so i've had really really intense debates with a lot of my friends regarding birth control even women priests there's just 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 this idea that the catholic church is very sexist and so it just creates so many heated discussions and relationships are just very difficult when you explain the sexual ethics i think a lot of times people assume that you don't fully accept the church's teachings because there's 90 percent of catholics right who use birth control and so when people find out you actually agree and live out with every part of the church of course you're going to get a lot of backlash yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head right i think part of um and this is, I think, the difference when it comes to somebody like yourself who really had to contemplate, journey through, and make a, a big decision to join the church is you join mm-hmm. the church and you accept all the church's teachings. And, um, yeah. uh, or at least that's, that's what's supposed to happen. And when you get, yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean, uh, um, and, but, but to be, be, to be honest and to keep it real, we are on true faith, real talk. Um, there are a lot of Catholics today that, that are self-professed. I'm all about it. They identify with Catholicism, but they don't even accept, uh, you know, the teachings on, on birth control, the teachings on, um, marriage between man and a woman, the, even the, the real presence, believing in the true presence. So, yeah. No, I've seen stats. 60% don't believe it's, wild i don't know how that's possible right i mean and so so you're like okay what what's i mean there's a obviously there's a ton of different denominations and churches out there that you can go and find exactly what you believe in whether that be uh female ordination so why stay in the catholic church and try to change her versus going to every other denomination that actually can can fit the bill right and so i often say lizzie i often say that people are looking for a church that fit their needs not a god that demands their life right yeah well, yeah. that's really really powerful and, and here's the thing is your yes you it, it demanded your life and you were willing to mm-hmm. to say all right i'm willing to give this up I, scary as it all can be we know we're going to be persecuted but hey we know if the world hates us it, we know that the world hated our lord first and that a sign of persecution means that we're closer to christ than being closer to the world and yeah. so so okay so that was the kind of the that aspect what about the biggest gain for you what was the biggest game for you as a as coming into the church? Game? Yeah. Hmm. I think finally feeling like I had spiritual, more of a spiritual foundation and spiritual guidance. I felt for a long time like I wanted 
mentors in my life where I didn't feel like I had, I don't even know how to explain it, but just mentors, a foundation, spiritual strength. I often felt like I was alone and just by myself. So having the whole fellowship of the saints and knowing that we're literally surrounded and involved with what's going on in heaven and being able to read 2000 years of writings by bishops and doctors of the church and popes, just being surrounded and within 2000 years and, you know, millions of Christians in heaven praying for us. I just feel so taken care of and secure and certain and yeah, just being able to pray to people who are in heaven right now, to ask them to pray for us. It's yeah. just like I never, ever feel alone anymore. It used to always be me reading my Bible, me connecting to God. Yeah. But now it's this huge group of people around us. And what a so what a what a great point, because, uh, you know, and um, I'm loving this dialogue so far. And we've only been on for a few minutes. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, but but. <laughs> So how do you approach that from a Protestant mindset? Because I never was Protestant. Now I was, you know, so I, yeah. I, I everything I've known has always felt, uh, you know, uh, my Catholic faith was at yeah. my roots, even when I wasn't practicing. Um, but this whole mm. me and Jesus thing, right? Um, and yeah. and the, the concept of the saints. I mean, I, I even struggle with Catholics today who sound more Protestant <laughs> than they are, uh, more, more than they are Catholic, right? But this, so how do you go from where you were as a Protestant thinking that, okay, saints, what you guys, you know, you worship saints and yada, yada, yada. We know all the, the typical thing, the stereotypical yeah. things that come at us as Catholics, but how did you, wh- where was the shift for you in that? Because I agree 100% with you that, you know, to, to be part of a God's family and to experience what we experience yeah, with whole, yeah. Holy people praying for us who are with God, who see the face yeah. of God now people that are here on this earth that are trying to get holy or die trying, you know, these kind of things. How did you shift in that mentality of of where you were as a Protestant and and now Mm -hmm. what you embrace in our Catholic tradition and faith? I think it was actually really gradual. And even before I became Catholic, I was already gravitating towards a more communal view. Mm -hmm. I remember a very distinctive moment when I was a junior in high school where we were reading the Hebrew passage about the cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the class saying, it's so exciting. All these people in heaven right now are looking down on us. That was just my blank interpretation of the verse. And I remember everyone in the Bible class, including the person leading it, were like, no, 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 that's the wrong interpretation, like angry at my comment. Wow. And I didn't even <laughs> understand until later why everyone was angry. So that was kind of an opening. Yeah. And then I'd say when I got to college, I went to Pepperdine. It's a Christian university. We had a really, really, really tight knit community family, like between everyone. Mm-hmm. And so the way I prayed really changed. There's this book called The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. And the book just talks about intervention prayer. It really emphasizes praying for everyone in your life, praying for yourself. And so I started praying for my friends so intensely, asking my friends to pray for me so intensely. We had this really strong spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And I would just spend you know, 30 minutes sometimes praying for a friend, like interceding for them. And so once I heard that People go to heaven right after they die. It's not like the world has to end before heaven starts, Mm -hmm. which is what I used to believe. 
So once I understood that people are in, in, in heaven right now, it just clicked and it totally made sense that, yeah, I can ask my friends on earth to pray for me. Why can't I ask people in heaven? It was just so immediate, my connection to that. And that's one of the hardest things for a lot of my Protestant friends, my family to understand. Yeah. But for me, like through the years, it began changing. Okay. And oh, that's awesome. And I think that's that's definitely one of the blessings we have as Catholics. Um, what, yeah. a, what about the Eucharist? What, is that, what has that been like for you as somebody who um, perhaps practiced uh, the, the symbolism of that in, in yeah. your previous um, faith practice? But what has it been like experience what we, we, what we Catholics call the, the true presence, the real presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ? How has that been for you? I cry every time during the consecration. Mm. It was something that I kind of believed in immediately. Once I was reading more of the like Ignatius, more of the church father writings, mm -hmm. I remember a moment where in May 2017, where I read through all the communion accounts, I read John 6 and I immediately believed in it and I was sobbing. Mm -hmm. And so after that, anytime I went to mass or Orthodox divine liturgy, I would cry because it's like you're seeing a miracle in front of you and mm -hmm. i think what was really cool for me in my conversion is i was very content in protestantism i had a flourishing relationship with god amazing spiritual communities i feel like i was growing spiritually all the time constantly new epiphanies and so it's not like protestantism was nothing or not spiritually supportive and now i found catholicism mm -hmm. it was almost like christianity was here for me and then it became so much more. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Catholicism just added so like millions of more facets of spirituality to my faith. And so as a Protestant, I believe that the amount of interaction of God I had on earth was all I would have until heaven. Mm -hmm. But now I get to experience God in so many depth, amazing ways. So it's kind of this constant gratitude that... Jesus is there in real presence and I can receive him mm -hmm. because I didn't think I needed that. And I, I wasn't desiring more. I wasn't not content, but then it was all given to me all of a sudden. So I, I just feel very, very thankful and I, I cry. It's, it's overwhelming. You know, as, as somebody who is, um, who, who knows what it's like without, without the Eucharist and somebody who, um, yeah tries to attend daily mass i you don't even you don't even have to explain it we just know it right we just know um that feeling and there's times where if you really fully enter into the mass into the liturgy um especially the liturgy of the eucharist um oh my yeah. you know I, oh my god your mind is just blown your i mean you cannot yeah. get more intimate of a relationship than to yeah. receive our lord in that way and so um, again, uh, I could shed tears about it right now. Um, just thinking yeah. about it. Right. I mean, that's how powerful it is. Um, so let's talk about, so you've, um, you've come into the church, you've made some decisions in your life to, to be where you are today, um, to join the rest of us. Um, and, yeah. and obviously you're fighting on the front lines and, um, there's <laughs> with the rest of us trying to get to make, to, to convert souls for yeah. Christ, right. And win souls for Christ. So let's talk about two things. Cause I know we want to get to the topic of evangelization and evangelism, yeah. but before that, here you are joining the church this year, Easter vigil of this year. Yeah. And all this stuff in the church today with the church scandal, um, you know, really what we're seeing in the news, um, you know, for a long time, I mean, for all of us, I think we're processing it differently. And for myself, I'm a pretty emotional guy. And, and it, it just wears on, and when you love God, 
and you love his bride, the church. And I mean, this is at our core. If this doesn't bother you, then I, then I question your love, right? Um, all of this bothers me in a way because our, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, um, our faith is everything to me. Um, and then, then comes my wife and my children. So how has that affected you, um, especially as, as, as a neophyte? Really, you're a neophyte right now, and you're, you're, new, to, you're new to the church. And um, yeah. how has that affected you, if, if at all? Uh, in your faith walk mm. and, and even in some of your dialogue and conversations with uh, your family and friends who may have questioned your intent and decision to come here in the first place? Mm. I think that I definitely avoided reading a lot of the details because, mm-hmm. you know, there were hundreds of pages of every sexual assault that you could read. And so I, I'm a very empathetic person and I knew that if I let myself read all the details, it Mm -hmm. would just destroy me. I would go into severe depression. It would be so much. So I think for me, I didn't let myself emotionally go into it. Mm -hmm. And so what I experienced though, is everyone around me was thinking of leaving the church, being so angry at all the bishops. And I think that it was scary for me seeing people who had been Catholic their whole lives or went through RCIA five years ago. Mm-hmm. People that to me seemed so much more solid in Catholicism than I am. And just, it was almost like an earthquake was going on and all these people around me are wanting to leave. And it was just kind of scary being within that. I think that it didn't affect me as much as it did other people because I don't feel an extreme loyalty or have any kind of emotional sentiment Mm -hmm. towards any of the bishops or priests or Pope. I'm brand new. And so to me, this was just a logical objective thing where the Catholic church is the early church. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care about what was going on in modern history. And I'm certainly not converting because through the years, the church has been morally exemplary. There were so many things that happened during the Reformation era that were just so evil and corrupt and awful. Mm -hmm. And so to me, of course, the church is always going to be evil and awful. Satan's going to be infiltrating it by corrupting people, making them so evil. And so to me, it's not surprising. Obviously, it's terrifying and emotionally tumultuous. And I, it's horror. It's horror reading the details. But I'm a very like rational person with how I make decisions. It's not Mm -hmm. impulsive. It's not emotional. So I have those intellectual foundations for why this is true Mm -hmm. and nothing will change that it's true. Obviously there's so many evil people. We need to get rid of clericalism. So many changes need to be made. Mm -hmm. So many people still need to be fired. And so there's a lot of things that need to change, Mm -hmm. but I'm primarily Catholic for Jesus and the Eucharist, not for anyone else. Good. Yeah, and I I would just bring one point of clarity in the sense of, you know, Holy Mother's Church is holy, right? I mean, it's holy because yep. of uh, the, he, she, or he who makes her holy, which is Christ, and of course, yep. the Holy Spirit, the sanctifier. Um, but the people within it, right, we're a church of sinners, and I think that's the part where people mm-hmm. forget that um, regardless of, of, now it becomes more scandalous, obviously, when it becomes yep. uh, part of the clergy or in the church hierarchy, and we're all struggling with it, and I, you know... Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate your rational and objective approach to it because I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm here because of Jesus and because this is, yep. I believe is Jesus's church. 
and um, not because of any priest, any bishop, any cardinal, any pope. Um, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we need great shepherds um, and we need yeah. and we need to hold them accountable. And I think that's what you're seeing right now with a lot of the outcry from the lady and from the faithful, because it feels like we're a bunch of sheep without shepherds. And I think, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. so there's that aspect of it. But um, I, and I'm with you. I, I was one of the people that actually read through a lot of it and I could see how it was yeah. affecting my heart and my soul. And uh, I had to back off away from it as well. Um, you know, you, you don't need to read 300 cases um, to to uh, capture the gravity of what's occurring here. And it is absolutely evil. And uh, but I just wanted to kind of address the question as somebody who's a new Catholic, yeah. who our fear, uh, our fear being somebody who's who's gone through this process before already and has gone through the trial and tribulation to some degree, not necessarily in this, at in this level, but we're always worried about somebody who was responsible for RCIA. I was responsible for RCIA in my own parish for, for three years and been part of the RCIA team. You're always worried about our new Catholics and our new family members when something yeah. like this breaks out. So that's the reason why I wanted to kind of, yeah, yeah, just to get yeah, your, get your opinion so on it. It makes me so angry because Jesus tells us we're the light of the world. People will know us by our love. And so even though Jesus makes the church holy and we're imperfect, there's still kind of an imperative and a desire by God to where we're supposed to be living out the faith and people are supposed mm-hmm. to see it and see Christ in us and be attracted to the church. Right. And so when we have so many people who are evil, obviously people are going to walk away. Obviously Catholicism is going to get a bad, horrible rep. And I think we should have a horrible rep from Mm -hmm. this. So, yeah, but what is also really comforting is that throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, there's so many evil leaders. Jesus was condemning so many of the leaders. And I think it is Ezekiel 37 or something. It talks about the sheep without shepherds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this has always been a problem with humanity. And so, yes, it's evil. It's horror. It's, you know, you can't even put into words how much pain, how Mm -hmm. people are just permanently so broken Mm -hmm. by what has happened to them, any victim of sexual assault. And so, of course, the gravity of that, it's hard for anyone to comprehend but it's something that is how humans have acted since the beginning of time, right. how so many Christian leaders have always reacted, how so many Israelites reacted. Yeah, if you think about it, I, I, I often use that as, you know, if you if you never had proof of original sin, there you go. Right. <laughs> the fact that we're always yeah. fighting against, uh, you know, yeah. our, ourselves, the flesh, the devil mm-hmm. and the world and. Um, so yeah. I, I don't want to belabor that point. I think we all know what the good fight is, but that leads me to this other point of evangelization, mm-hmm. evangelism, right? So right now, of course, we're all facing this, the question of why are you still Catholic? And it's just like, you know, you think about it as people who are out there. I mean, we're on the, the reason why my podcast exists. The reason why I, uh, you know, I teamed up and started World Ablaze Apostolate was to evangelize the hearts of the world and to facilitate encounters with Christ. And now it feels like, oh man, you just cut our legs underneath us, right? So let's talk about evangelization, that that role, evangelism, how how it plays into your life and 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 um Mm -hmm. and then kind of lead into, well now that you're a new Catholic and you got this whole thing going on, what's going on with Lizzie and and your kind of ministry and your call at this point. But let's start with evangelism and and what that has what that means to you and what it Mm -hmm. what is practically what that looks like in your life today. I think practically, it just means being best friends, being really close to people who are not Christians. 
all of my roommates are agnostic and some of the people who I spend the most time with are not Christian. Like I barely have any Catholic friends where I live. I have, I have a few Christian friends, but mostly non-religious. And so I think that being best friends with people is how you bring people into the church. Mm-hmm. You show Christ through your life and people around you ask a lot of questions. I think being a new convert is an amazing opportunity to talk about Catholicism because it's so bizarre to convert into Catholicism. And so everyone has a million questions about why I'm doing this. How do you believe this? Do you literally think it's do you literally think it's Jesus instead of bread and wine? Why are you against birth control? Just all of these right. bombarding questions. Sometimes it's overwhelming because I'm supposed to be able to explain Catholic apologetics to everyone in my life with a lot of the Marian dogmas. It's like, you need evidence, evidence, evidence. Why do you believe this? So sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, but I think I really, really like that everyone in my life, they ask questions and they really want to know why. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a third order Dominican. Both my wife and I are life professed third order oh. Dominicans. And so, um, you know, we're it's always about Veritas. It's always about meeting people where they are and, and really, yeah. obviously, just really helping people encounter Christ and the mm-hmm. church. Um, and so you're right. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty Catholic out loud. I, I live out my faith. Um, everybody at work, yeah. everywhere I go, people know what I'm about. Um you know, people can, they, they run into my videos or my website and they're like, Oh, you do this on the side. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I live my faith. Faith isn't something I do. It's something I live. And, um, but this is a prime opportunity because I think our response, right. How you're dealing with the fact that you're staying Catholic, the fact that you, Mm -hmm. um, that you, that you actually came from their same mindset. Like I, you know, I, I've got yep. family and friends and, and I'm, I'm probably uh, one of the most devout Catholics in, in, in certain circles. Um, but there's that element of us just having the opportunity to articulate and explain it from a, yeah. a place of trust. Right. In a place of where they're like, well, OK, I'm, I'm breaking bread with Lizzie and mm. um, I may not agree with her, but, I, but I'm at least open to listening to her yeah, yeah. so have you have you won any souls for christ yet i mean come on you're a new catholic girl you should have at least 100 in in, in <laughs> right <laughs> um no one in my like personal life none of my best <laughs> friends but obviously a lot of my subscribers a lot of people have told me that they're the reason they're joining rcia awesome. this new um girl at my parish who started rcia we were at our church Bible study, and I'm like, oh, I have I met you yet. And she's like, I know you. I watch your videos. So <laughs> someone new at our church came from my videos. But that is awesome. I think that like what you said, we're coming from a Protestant background. I really do understand. One of the, my favorite things about my conversion journey is that I hated Catholicism. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I sort of thought it was wrong or, oh, I don't believe it is true. It was extreme passionate hatred. Mm-hmm. And so I totally understand any reasoning for people not wanting to become Catholic. And so I think that just makes me able to share my faith. Like yeah. converts have a way to share their faith in a way people, credo Catholics never could. Because yeah. you don't fully understand the perspective of people who hate the church. Yeah. I mean, you're basically, you're coming from that. So you got some street cred with them, right? Like, Oh, you you were, you basically hated the same things I hated. How did you overcome that? You know? Um, and I would say uh, really from, uh, 
from a um, missionary ground, it's even in the church now. I mean, even a lot of Catholics. And I was I was baptized into the faith 27 days after I was born, but I wasn't really raised in the faith. And so yeah. and I've been through a lot of trauma and abuse um, at, at a very young age, which affected my ability to identify with God and identify as a child of God. And so I use that in ministry as well. So there's some street cred, street cred with just just being consumed by the culture and the lies of the culture and the culture of death. But there's also street cred in saying, look, I, I, you know, I, I didn't believe in saints. I, I, I hated the, I mean, hate is a strong word, but I hated the Catholic church. That's a, that's a, that's a true statement, right? At one point. And then God has his way in the end. Right. (laughs) So, so let's talk about, um, What's going on in Lizzie's world today now that you're newly Catholic and, and life is what what has been the biggest surprise since you became Catholic and and um, I guess in any way, whether that's positive or negative? I think the fact that I've really gotten into praying the rosary, I never, yeah. ever expected that mm-hmm. just because I'm very extemporaneous with how I pray mm-hmm. and I pray all the time. I just pray out loud, talking to God for like 20, 30 minutes. I pray as I'm reading my Bible, I journal out prayers, I pray for people. So I kind of already thought I have my God routine down. I love how I pray. I'm very content with my personal spirituality, mm-hmm. but I finally started praying the rosary this summer and I didn't understand the meditational part. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like Hail Mary's, Our Father's, Glory Bees. Mm-hmm. But being able to kind of be within the stories of the Bible as I'm praying it, it's something I've never really done before. I've never done like a meditational, meditating on different Bible stories as you're praying. Yeah. And so that's just been really, really, really cool for me. Because I used to think Mary was just a character who birthed Jesus and then kind of was not part of the story. But when you're reading through the Gospels, I really started paying attention. And she was there for the first miracle, for the death, for the resurrection. She was with the apostles in the room when they were praying right before Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And so it just it became obvious to me that she was there throughout all these integral parts of Jesus life. And so I literally describe it to people as it's like on Google maps when you see the map, Mm -hmm. but then you go into street view and you're walking around and that's how it feels when I'm praying the rosary. Everything Mm -hmm. feels two dimensional and objective and like physically there. So it's been really, really cool. Like I love the rosary. I try to play pray it all throughout the week. So good for never you. expected I'd get into the Mary stuff. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, good for you as a Dominican, right? I mean, the rosary is near and dear. That's part of our daily spiritual uh, rule, yeah. you know. But the thing about it, and I and I and it always blows my mind. And every time I get a convert, my wife's a convert, right? But um, yeah. but anytime I meet a convert or or somebody who um, who is even Protestant, maybe not. I just say, it's so funny because in our real world human relationships, um, there's always a, a, a heavy emphasis on the mother and respect yeah. for the mother and honor for the mother. Matter of fact, if you want to honor me, honor my mother, right? And we think yeah, about yeah, yeah. This, this, this concept of like, you know, like if I said, hey, Lizzie, um, would you... I think Father Donald Calloway, I had him on my show and we were talking about the rosary and um, we were, t- we were talking about it. He goes, you know, it's like, let's like saying, Lizzie, I'm going to, um, do you mind if I take your mom out for dinner? I want to celebrate her. And you'd be like, no, John, you need to be focused on me. And I would be like, okay, girlfriend, you got some problems, right? Or you would say, no, that would be awesome. What are you doing it for? And I say, you know, I just want to celebrate her life and her yes. Yeah. And for everything she's done for you. 
And would that make, I mean, how would that make any human feel? And I think to myself, our, our blessed mother Mary gave Jesus his DNA. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it, it's just, it, it, to me, it just blows my mind. We wouldn't accept yeah. that in our own human relationships, but yet somehow we think loving our, our blessed mother Mary is somehow mm-hmm. taken away from loving Jesus, but yet nobody loved Jesus like Mary. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so I am so happy that you are, uh, that you are seeing that as a vehicle of a deeper meditation onto the mysteries of Christ. Cause that's what the rosary is about, yeah. right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really there. It's like, we don't, um, people think it's just rote and, and mundane and there's no, there's no, there's no like prayerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The usual, yeah. The, the usual stereotypical things that we always hear. So, um, so praying the rosary, but what about, okay. So where are you at today with the ministry? What are you doing? What does Lizzie do full time in her life? Um, I, I know videos and YouTubes are one of them, but what are you doing um, from a ministerial, from an evangelization perspective? Because I know you're out there doing talks and conferences. We'll talk about the one we're yeah. bringing you out for in February. But <laughs> what's life been like for you now that you become Catholic when it comes to just the evangelization piece? Yeah. So my primary focus is definitely my YouTube channel, editing videos. Every single day I wake up, I start editing videos. I Right before I go to bed, I'm editing videos. It typically takes 30 or 40 hours to edit one video, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, you do your YouTube on this side. It's like, oh, no, yeah, right. Hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mostly just focusing on my YouTube content, but I've started doing a lot of speaking events and traveling a bit, and I'm writing a book as well. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but (laughs) I'm editing through my book. So it's kind of speaking, YouTube, writing, all of that is going on. So that's your full time. It is It actually full time Lizzie mode, huh? Just living your life. Yeah working constantly it's my essence <laughs> that's awesome that's good so um like i said i mean we're uh we're blessed world ablaze uh which is the apostate that i am and the president and co-founder of as well as possibility productions my my brother uh brian kravick we we're, we're mm-hmm. blessed and excited to be bringing you out to our second annual relentless conference um which lizzie will be joining a a cast of characters if you will convert characters our theme for that uh lizzie is the one so the relentless conference uh we spoke a little bit about this before we uh, we jumped yeah. onto this show what is really yeah. a theme about you know the, the devil's relentless in his pursuit of destroying mm-hmm. our lives and but yeah. the lord is relentless in his pursuit of our heart this year's theme which mm-hmm. you'll be joining us on is the one with the twofold uh look at the one being the one lost sheep and then the one true shepherd and so um for the the listeners out there or the viewers who are maybe watching this on youtube um, be sure to join us if you're in Northern California, because you're going to hear um, a variety of conversion stories to include Lizzie's as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lizzie, let's let's talk real quick while I while we wrap this up. Um, any yeah. advice you may have to somebody who was much like you that um, is struggling to make the, the, the jump to 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 really make the decision um, yeah. What what can you say to them um, as somebody who recently just made that decision and that jump into the church? I would just read your Bible constantly. Just read the New Testament on repeat. Once you're 1% open to it being true, you start noticing certain things that you didn't see before. I think what really expedited my conversion journey is I was kind of manic as, as I was researching into everything. So I would spend two hours a day just reading my Bible. And so you start noticing a lot of things. Like at the end of the Gospels, Jesus literally tells his apostles, 
if you forgive their sin, sins, they will be forgiven. If not, they won't. And <laughs> at one point in Acts, Paul is like touching cloths, and then that is used to heal people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could go on and on about everything in the New Testament. But once you kind of have different eyes for the first time, you'll really start seeing that it is the biblical church. Yeah. Now, for those that may, um, you know, you talked about being open because I think conversion requires a a, a large dose of humility and intellectual plus spiritual uh, honesty. And, you know, I I talk just being in, in, in the front lines of evangelization as somebody who's been responsible yeah. for RCIA, you, t- you tend to find people that just really, you say, Hey, what did you do? You know, especially Protestants. What, what, what did you do with John chapter six, the bread of life discourse, <laughs> or what did you do with John 20 when he talks about, you know, who sins you forgive are forgiven. You're like, what did y'all do in Bible school or Bible class or Bible yeah. group or Bible, whatever. Um, it, sometimes it's easier said than done because you obviously were, str- were struggling with that, but you were open. So how does somebody get to a point where they can be open? You know, you talked about even just being 1% open, it, reading scripture, but what if it's so ingrained, so indoctrinated? Because there's, a, there's that thing called, yeah, fear of yeah, loss, like- fear of you being wrong for so many years. I know you're young, what, 23? Um, uh, just turned 24. <laughs> 24, well, happy belated birthday to you. Um <laughs> Uh, I wish I could say the same, but I'm not. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but so, you know, I mean, some people fear the fact that they're, they've been wrong their whole lives mm-hmm. or what it may be. But what do you suggest to them in getting to that point of just being open and humble to the truth? Not to say that Protestants are, sep- you know, are separated brothers that, that don't have a, a portion of the truth. But when you talk about the fullness of faith. Right. Yeah. Uh, fully lived out as the way our, our Lord and uh, through apostolic succession, how the mm-hmm. church has developed over the course of of history um, to to how what can they do to to really see that openness come to life in their life? I just would recommend to intimately pray a ton mm-hmm. because I may not trust Catholicism, but I trust God and I'm not going to lose God. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I prayed and I just told God, if Catholicism is true, make me Catholic. And I was crying so much because it was Mm. terrifying. But I knew I was staying close to God and not leaving God. And if God presents something as the church, it, it can't be that scary. He wants what is best for me. And just throughout my whole like conversion time in 2017, I've barely talked about it at all. But I would be praying, crying to God every other day. It was so terrifying. But what I love about the experience is I got so much closer to God because it was this crazy trust exercise. And there was no one in my life who I could talk to who was going through the same thing. And so I just got so close to God because I needed him intensely to make it through that. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, words of wisdom from somebody who's actually gone through the process herself. Um, You know, I just want to thank you, Lizzie, for your time here with me and with my viewers. And, uh, you know, want to thank you more than anything for just having the courage and having the humility to to, to seek God and to find to find a home uh, where you belong. And so I just want to say uh, from on behalf of uh, all of Mother Church, as well as all those that are out there um, who are who have been and continue to pray for you, welcome yeah. home. 
and uh, may God continue to bless you and your ministry. Um, so any, uh, any other words of wisdom that you have for us before we uh, just kind of part ways here this evening? I think just to always keep reading and researching and reading and researching, just because there's 2,000 years of writings by Christians and persecutions and heresies, there's just so much to read. And so I guess to not take for granted that we have this 2,000 year intellectual spiritual history, like there's so much to constantly read. And it's exciting to me that I have the rest of my life to learn all of these depths about the church. So just to not take for granted the amazing foundation history that we have with the church. Wonderful. Well, Lizzie, I appreciate your time with us here tonight, and I just want to uh, continue to wish you tons of blessings on uh, your future endeavors um, with the book that we weren't supposed to announce at all, um, <laughs> with all the videos that you're putting together with the, the, the uh, I'm sure, ton of conferences that you'll be a part of, most especially the Relentless Conference with us. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, may God continue to bless you and keep you in all your ways. True faith, real talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Continue the conversation online. Visit johnsublon.com. Until next time, get holy or die trying. Godspeed. Godspeed.